0: This is Jill, and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Kings podcast. Well, that was not the ending we wanted, but you know what? Doesn't make it any less of a hell of a season. And what we did today was I figured, you know what? Why not have a fan roundtable? An end of the year fan roundtable. I love hearing what, you know, People out there are thinking, um, you know, are feeling similar. Are they different? You know, we've had a lot of sound bites over the last couple days, and we've had a couple days to right cool down from our emotions and everything like that. And so, I brought back Will, I brought back Michael, and I brought back Megaloo, and so I'm going to. Let them take it away. All right. So the first questions I wanted to ask you guys today was, what are your thoughts overall on the playoff series? How do you feel about how the Kings did? Did it meet your expectations? Did it exceed your expectations? Did it not meet them? Um, just your, your general thoughts uh, walking away after it.
1: I thought it was better than i expected like seven games and just the level of basketball that we got was just so exciting which for me going into it i would have loved to win but just seeing competitive basketball was so fun to watch just in that in of itself
2: i think after game five i was ready to be disappointed and then game six happened and that just redeemed everything to me. And then everything after Game Six is just gravy to me.
3: Um, I I have complicated feelings about it. I loved how our young guys played. Loved Davion, Malik, De'Aaron. I actually didn't think Sabonis was like so terrible or whatever. I thought he was actually really good. I didn't realize that like getting punched out meant actually getting punched out, like in the real sense of (laughs) like having a black eye and getting your chest caved in and broken fingers and all that stuff um and I think we should have won it I'm upset that we didn't win I don't think like I don't feel like it should have gone to that seventh game and I think the seventh game that just left like a bitter taste in my mouth but that was the only part that was bitter to me the rest of it I think it was fantastic. The basketball was really, really beautiful. Um, I wish Chamezi and I wish Kessler would have gotten a minute to show what they are in the playoffs if they were ready. Um, I know they played a little bit of like garbage time and like, you know, end of quarter minutes, but... I feel like those are two guys that I would have liked to see more out of, even though I really liked Len and Lyles' minutes at center. Um, I just feel like Chamezzi was such a huge part of why we got here and not seeing him, for me, was upsetting. I know he's not very popular in the fan base or on Twitter or what have you, but I just, I love him. I think, you know, he was our best defensive player for a lot of the year. And he was uh you know in amongst our best offensive lineups in a lot of cases so i thought he deserved a little bit more of an opportunity
0: yeah that i will i seem- will say too i think that you know when we listen to mike brown's pressers all year too and how much he emphasized rebounding doing the little things um being physical right not or not physical enough i It's a hard pill to swallow, but I think these guys finally actually can understand what he's talking about now. Where before it's like, okay, you hear it and it's like, well, I think I'm doing that. Like, what, where am I missing it? Like, now they can actually physically see it and put something to it and be like, yeah, letting 13 rebounds go in the third quarter, you know, will hurt you. Not doing the little things like that will hurt you. the the level of physicality when he kept saying all season long, you got to be more physical, you got to be more physical. And then what's the first thing we heard in these playoffs? Now I understand what he means by being physical. So I think that those things going forward will help. Yes, it doesn't help us now and it hurts, but I think there are good things that this team can actually like there's a a physical presence in now them understanding some of the things that coaches are saying that now, um, you know, maybe can be processed better than um, not understanding. And then I thought it was interesting in his presser today, he mentioned, you know, we all had the Davion questions and, and that stuff. And he said he went with TD specifically to keep the space for Monk and Fox, that those were their, you know, the Kings you know, killers during the series, like it was Fox and Monk going off and that when Davion was in, um, the Warriors were sagging and it wasn't creating the space for Fox Fox and Monk. And so he could live with Curry going off because they stopped everybody else. But you gave them so many more opportunities by not getting the rebounds and that stuff that I can understand his reasoning and that sense of, okay, you know, like, that makes sense. They were doing that. And that makes your offense, I get who, which was already struggling in the second half, even harder. Um, So I, for anyone that missed that, I, you know, it was nice to hear, you know, his breakdown, whether you agree with it or not, that's, you know, that's what they went with and they have to live with it. Um, But like you said, that the offensive rebounds is going to be the big thing that, that, you know, this group is going to live with. And it's something that, you know, even during the trade deadline, like it's, The guys they pursued were guys that, you know, could have helped that. We all know they tried to get them, didn't work out. But again, those are things that they can tackle this offseason to go after. That if you still look at it as that first step and building on it, these are things that they can address. Um, So in that sense, I do think it was good that they they got even more um, film and... Now it's the big Harrison Barnes question, right? Like that probably no one was expecting that you would probably have to be asking at this point, which now we're all asking.
2: (laughs) Well, I think Fox also said in his uh, exit interview that like the, the intensity, the pressure of the, the playoffs, like now he finally understands why Mike was saying, Hey, we're not being physical enough because it's going to get harder. And now that he's seen it. It's just a whole different level of expectation. As for Harrison, there's no doubt that he had a bad series. There's no doubt that he was pressing a lot. Um, The main thing that I take away is the game four shot. If he makes that shot, it's a totally different series and we probably win in six, if not five. Well said. Uh, Well said. Yep. You know, and, and game Game four is a one-point game. You know, one little mistake that you make is the difference in that game. Game, you know, and and also the Warriors too. They made huge mental mistakes in that game that let the Kings even get that to one point. So,
0: yeah, and you then know. even right in those three straight possessions that the Kings turned the ball over after getting exactly stops. like things like again Brown's thing of you have to take care of it. That it's you know the little things that. That can get you like just one thing, three things in a row um, yeah. can go I mean, one way or the other, and just not taking advantage of it. Foul shooting, they need to be
3: better at offensive rebounding, and they need to be way better at offensive and defensive rebounding positioning. They don't move, and it drives me crazy. Like, you don't have to only move on offense, move on defense rebounds are such a ginormous part of defense like figure out where the rebound is gonna go and get two guys there like and i don't understand that and i'm not saying they don't talk about it or emphasize it but there are statistical models that you can look at and you have guys like chamezi and that i know are incredibly smart and good at math who can make mental maps that i mean kevin Kevin Looney, right, he's been in the league for a really long time. I mean, even Dennis Rodman got better at rebounding as his career went on. Steven Adams, another one, got gets better and better and better because you build that mental map out the more you play, right? So it's experience and it's, you know, understanding where these rebounds are going to go. And it's a new era, so they're long a lot of the time. But you should be able to get better positioning, in my mind. And maybe that's unfair, but that was one thing that I think the Harrison Barnes thing, I I guess it's so complicated, right? (laughs) Like he's such an inspirational human. I think that counts for something. He played 82 games. That counts for something. But can you replace his stats with better ones that are going to be better in a playoff series? Um, and maintain the vibes of the team. And I think that's so impossible to answer for us, right? We're not inside the Big building. time, big time. But also yep. I think it's unfair to blame him for missing that last late game shot. I think it's like the same thing as saying like Robert Ori won the series. You know what I mean? It's like a single shot.
0: That's not, they shouldn't have come down to a single it's shot. one he's made before, game. right? Like he's mm-hmm. hit those for us, before yeah um, yeah it's just unfortunate and you wanted it so bad for him you know with everything he went through with that totally. team and you know how much he wanted it and you know no one felt worse right because the joy that everyone would have felt for him had he hit that I mean
3: Is, yeah it's yeah. it's mythical so yeah and I would
1: have put Warriors Twitter in shambles which would have been
0: <laughs> so great <laughs> Just hearing Draymond's podcast after Harrison (laughs) Barnes hitting that Mm -hmm. would have been amazing. (laughs) But yeah, I almost feel like even during the season, it's like they get so used to Sabonis getting the rebounds that Mm -hmm. Sabonis holding off Looney and like, waiting for those guys to come in and actually grab the rebound, none of them actually did it. Because you yeah, saw it multiple times exactly. where, like, he's literally just in front of, like, has a body in front of him where you know he's not going to get the rebound, but he's just trying to get a body to keep Looney away from grabbing the rebound that somebody yeah. else just come and grab it.
2: Yeah. None of them, I, except they, for Keegan, is the guy that I wanted to point out. Keegan rebounded the ball very well after game yeah. four. And Barnes uh,
0: had zero, that game that can't yeah,
2: happen. That's the problem. Right.
0: Yeah. I think Keegan, I mean, Keegan did this all year long,
3: right. Where he would like have these like slow starts, like even summer league, it was like two or three games and you're kind of like, Hey, eh, what's happening here. Is he going to figure it out? And then boom, he would figure it out and it would like go great. And even like waiting on that, the end of the year, like waiting on the three-point record, he'd have like sort of these like really, you know, it'd be two or three games. And all of a sudden he'd make six threes in a game. It wasn't like he's making two threes every game. I think that's super normal for a role player, exceptionally normal for a rookie to be inconsistent. But if he can get more consistent uh, with his rebounding, which would be fantastic, but also his points. I think we have another all-star on the way. And I think that is also extremely exciting. I think in those last two games, seeing him figure it out in real time was, was
0: thrilling. I'm so impressed with how his conditioning and legs held up in his first season and that kind of offense without having like a full legitimate off season with an NBA team. Like, 45 minutes in game six, I didn't know he had that in him. And and to be That's as crazy. effective as he was in mm-hmm. so many different areas against Wiggins, right, Curry, and Clay, like some of the best perimeter players you will ever go against. And yeah. he held his own. And I mean, like, I couldn't have asked more from the kid. I mean, it's just, it was so impressive. And to me, just goes to show how much more, like, That he can keep going, you know, with this group.
1: Him hitting that little pull-up jumper in the mid-range towards the end of the series was just, you can see it kind of starting to click. And it feels like later on in his career and maybe even next year, that's a shot that he will probably be able to get anytime he wants around a Sabonis screen. And just him gaining that confidence with his skill set is going to be so fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I think he even hit a floater at the end, too, which has been kind of hard for him to get that kind mm-hmm. of um, to get that to fall. And he had a nice one, I think, it was in the third, too, when everything was kind of not working. Um, he put one in. So it was I mean, I feel like we saw pieces of his game that we hadn't seen before um, mm-hmm. in that. And so what a time to show it too.
2: go back to the conditioning thing. Uh, you know, even when guys like. Kevin in his in his interview was talking about how his conditioning needs to get better because of having to chase around Curry and maybe that affecting his shot during the the series, which you know it was pretty clear that he was you know leaving things short on the front of the rim. So for Keegan to have not had that happen and to have been the guy where uh, he comes out in game five and hits 10 quick points or the guy in game six to, you know, get 12 rebounds or the guy in game seven to score two baskets back to back when everything seems to be going against you in the third quarter is just even more impressive to me with him being a
0: rookie. 100%.
3: Somebody put a stat out today and I wish I could remember it or look it up quick, but I can't, but it was just like... Keegan had this many points, this many rebounds in the playoffs. The rest of the rookies in the league had zip, you know? And so he maintained – okay, he had a few rough games at the beginning there. Like I said, I think there's a massive learning curve. But to get this experience in his first year in the league, and I think for Davion too in his second year, um, it's just like I I wish – De'Aaron would have gotten it that early. You know what I mean? I wish, like I like you said, I think there's just so many things that you walk away going, I have to get better at this. And you know it in a different way when it's in this setting. And um, so I, I'm just, I'm really excited because I think also the coaching staff as a whole will really focus these guys in on like their specific roles and what their specific um, you know, goals for the off season should be. Um, and I loved Kevin saying it was conditioning. I, I, Davion said it was shoot. I mean, these are things we know, right. Davion it's shooting Kevin, it's conditioning. Hegan, I think kind of said everything. Um, but you know, I, I trust this coaching stuff to like really focus these guys up because, as dumb as it sounds, I think it's extremely helpful to have specific uh guidelines, right? Instead of being like, well, I don't even know who the coach is. <laughs>
0: like, so I don't know. I that's yeah, one thing. To your point, we've even heard how. The development staff have kind of been tasked like they each have a coach that they're specifically working with, too, and that they've worked with since last summer for some of them. Some of them got, you know, like Dutch was given to Keegan, you know, at the beginning when he first came in. Um, So I think that can only I mean, the relationships they are building there and the trust, just getting more time with that. To your point, I think that goes a long way. Well,
2: and the continuity, right? That's the thing is the continuity, the consistency, having the same players be here next year, having the same coaching staff be here next year during the summer. All of that builds. When you look at the Warriors, they have the same players that they have for those guys have been together for a decade. You know, that guy is going to be in that spot when you make this move. And the Kings don't necessarily have that yet, but you build on that.
0: And they even talked about staying here and doing it. I mean, that's, you know, that's a whole new narrative that, that we haven't got to hear, too. So it
1: seems like every single player just loves to play basketball like they are obsessed with getting better. I mean, Davion is like such a gym rat where it feels like him, Keegan. um they both are still so young and want to get so much better. And that just feels like the whole entity of the team is they all want to improve with so many things, which is exactly what you want to think going into an off season.
0: And then the confidence, I think they showed themselves, they can do it right. That they're like, they're made for that. And, you know, and for you hear from so many players that when they get to that kind of position, like, how are you going to react to it? And I think that with those young guys, they showed like themselves, like I can play with the best, right? Like, and I, I deserve to be out here and I can only get better from here. And so to me, the way that they're gym rats already, I would think that it's even more like, all right, like I want to get back into this, you know, that much quicker. Cause I want to just keep building on that and ha- keep having these kind of feelings, right? Of, of that success. Okay, so um, yesterday and today we got uh, snippets, depending on if you uh, watched the different YouTube channels or media that put out clips just for anybody at home. If you did not get any of the exit interview content, if you go on YouTube, the Sacramento Kings literally have um, the videos for every single person like Mike Brown is half an hour of just great stuff. Um, And so if you got it on Twitter, any other kind of social media, you're just getting smaller clips. So definitely make sure you go to YouTube, go to the King's channel and you can get the complete um, full interview sessions for everyone that came through. But I wanted to ask you guys, did anything stick out to you? uh, Listening to the exit interviews, were you surprised by anything? Um, Were you happy about anything? Like what were your feelings coming out of hearing these guys talk about the end of the season?
3: I always like the deep cut kind of guys, like the end of the bench guys. And I think Trey Lyles' whole conference stood out to me because he obviously wants to come back. He talked about like the emotional connection and like how hard it is to form it when you're going from team to team to team and how he kind of formed one here. And I thought that was really endearing and sweet. And then Terrence Davis, like, I don't know what it is about Terrence Davis, but he's so like unstudied and everything he says comes across is just the truth. And I just, you know, when he was talking about that, he hasn't seen his son in a month and he's excited to go take his son to school every day. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's like, you forget what parts of real life these guys miss doing this kind of a job. And I, that was just really real. I don't, I don't necessarily like nobody really seemed to ask TD if he's going to be back or it didn't have the same vibe to me as Trey's where I think most of the press guys were like excited about him coming back, but Um, I just have really liked having TD here and I I think like I said I just I just have found his pressers and interviews and all of his stuff to be really genuine and um, inspiring in some cases you know I don't think it's like the easiest thing for him like I think it's been hard for him to adjust to it and we saw like Mike you know Calling timeouts and correcting him specifically, and like I think he said in his press conference too, this is the fewest of minutes I've played, but it's probably the most I've learned in those minutes. And um, I thought that was just a really great, you know, way to um, encapsulate what the. Culture change has been. I, he, the other thing he said that stood out to me was Mike expects you to be excellent, and and uh, that like goes back to like a Pete Carell thing too. Figure out who your guys are, ask them to do what they can do the best they can, and then encourage them to be excellent at it. And um, so you
2: know, uh, uh, yeah, I love that one. I mean, that's an old yeah, Coach Wooden thing. Make like the triangle. Of uh, you know of excellence and stuff like that, too. Where obviously Caril and and Woodner from that same generation, uh, yeah. I like TD's exit interview. Um, I think that he knows what the situation is as well, as far as you know what where he is in this group and and what he needs to do. You know to move on with his career and that it may not be here but that he enjoyed his time with this group and learned a lot um i thought it was really interesting that harrison said that he felt that he you know that he was going to be part of the core until they told him that he wasn't going to be part of the core you know that that he's planning on staying around during the summer and working out and. Doing all the things that he would normally do, um, which is interesting. Um, Lyle's obviously talking about how, you know, that he had never been to a teammate's house uh, during the season. Uh, for that one got non, me. That was so a non-basketball um, function. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then and then Sabonis talking about you know watching Keegan grow and and. And even today, I heard rumors that that uh, Monk and Kevin and uh, Keegan were all out playing golf together, you know, like things like that. You know, like this is not just a team. This is a group of people who really enjoy each other's company. And that's a special thing in the NBA.
0: That was well said. And it even to the point where you're seeing even their families, like their families are getting along, their kids are, you know, are getting along for ones that have them now um and i just the last time we saw any of that stuff like it's cliche it is because we always bring up the glory years but that's like what that group like prided itself on was the team dinners and going to you know teammates houses and doing those extra things you know to to build up that bond um and so many of them said that they had that much more trust in each other by having those um, extra relationships, and so, and I think I mean you're seeing it, you know, from your leaders, right? Like Fox is inviting these guys. Sabonis last year was inviting these guys. Like it's your it's your heads who are who are bringing these guys together, and you have to imagine. I'm sure Domos is going to do it again. Um, one would think, you know, invite them to Napa again and do all that. Um, so I mean, it's just. It's a really cool vibe compared to anything that we've been having, you know, for so many years in these exit interviews where it's like these guys can't get out the door fast enough and it's, you know, get me out of basketball hell. See you later. <laughs> right. Like, um, then just hearing guys like being willing to put it behind, like, I loved being a part of changing this culture and I want to stay here. And I, I like the town, I like the fans, I like the city like the players, the coaching staff, like from, you know, top down. um, It's just, you know, it's regardless of whatever happens, it's just, it's really nice to hear um, because we know that it can, that it can be this way. So it's nice to just see it, you know, again, validated from a whole, you know, new generation of, of a younger, of a younger group together. And, and to Will's point earlier, like, these guys aren't guys that they're just, you know, they're not the bibbies. They're not going out and they're not, you know, crazy. Like they're at home with their families or they're playing video games or like they're doing like it's, you know, they're they're not worried about the nightlife and, you know, the big city that everyone always wants to be like, oh, they don't want to be in a small town. They want to be in a big city. Like you listen to all of them. They're homebodies like and and they like that, that they can be like that about this place. Um and they're also young. So it's just, it's really cool to see how serious they are um, about everything and and keeping going. And so you're not necessarily, knock on wood, worried about the extra distractions that one might have to worry about in, in you know, bigger markets.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's so interesting. Like, I mean, I, I feel such like a, a general love for De'Aaron because I've watched him for six years and because... You know, I mean, he became a dad for the second time, actually. But, um, you know, Rose, I think, made the season really fun by her involvement and the baby and that part of the family life. And then I know DeMontis has another baby on the way right now. And they're sort of more like family men, maybe not Malik so much. But um, it's very wholesome in my mind, even though apparently Sabonis uses the ball as a weapon and stuff. but. I mean, other than that, it it feels like a very wholesome sort of, sort of family vibe, you know, I, that's part of my concern with the, with the Harrison stuff really is they all gave him so much credit for how, how well they take care of their bodies, how to be professionals, you know, and I, I don't know, like, to me, it's like, yes, you can replace his statistics. You can do that. That's that to me is not as big of a deal as can you replace that voice in the locker room, that availability, like playing 82 games a year. That is crazy. Um, and and that influence on on the guys in the locker room. So I, d- I don't know. I didn't mean to take it to a Harrison place, but it, I just went there. No,
0: but it's true. I mean, and how many times, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many games where he's saved us during the season too, of just being that calm Harrison Barnes. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to slow the game down, take it to the line. Like we, you know, we just had three crazy possessions in a row. Like let's, you know, let's calm it down. And so, yeah, I would think that this staff, like to me, you're not moving on with him and unless you're getting something, you know, like There's no questions. You know, you are getting something that's going to, you know, step you forward. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think they're just going to look for any kind of replacement for him. I think it's going to be very strategic that if you are moving on. It's going to be for someone younger, but someone that's already established and, you know, is not going to fail right that it's that it will slot into this next step of what this group is doing, whether that's an OG, a Cam Johnson, you know, like those kinds of names. Those are the kinds of names I would think that they would be going after as a shoe in that you are going to be getting someone statistically, but also, you know, that's not necessarily shouldn't be seeming of creating a, a distraction or, you know, who hasn't been a locker room problem or anything like that. But yeah, I think it's going to be, an interesting curve of losing a Harrison Barnes mentor in the locker room. If that does go, my dream is somehow figuring out how to have both and having him take less money. I still, I don't, I mean, I doubt he would ever do that, but if you could some way get him to take less and come off the bench and be able to secure something else. I mean, that's obviously a dream scenario and a long shot, but I
2: mean,
0: that's, I mean, that's your goal. That's your goal.
1: (laughs) i've wondered if he's ready for coming off the bench too sorry michael go ahead
2: no 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 that's fine well um i was just thinking that you know like the question is is yeah i mean what's the number right what's the what's the number that harrison and wants? who what's else could be they're...
0: giving it to him right like that's something we've talked right. about too who else yeah, is out that there That's going to be giving that
2: there um, so, is... yeah there's not that many teams that are going to have uh, extreme levels of cap space. I mean, it's the NBA. You can always make cap space. But as of right now, there doesn't seem to be a lot of teams that are going to have the necessary space to sign Harrison to like a 25 per deal or something like that. Um, so, you know, if he all he has are deals around the MLE range, then that makes it a lot easier for you to go. Well, Here's 15 million dollars as opposed to 12 and a half million you know and that you know it just depends on where those numbers are but i also think that you can't tamper your own player so you might as well start talking to him now and see what he you want
1: right yeah yep. i wonder if they've already had those discussions with him
2: oh
0: i i think that it's yeah yeah i would be completely shocked if Those had not. And I want to say there was something that came out prior to the playoffs that there were people who even thought that a deal could have gotten done like at the beginning of the playoffs um, that there were conversations going on. So, um, but I thought it was really interesting that even Brown, like he had no problem going away from it. Like he didn't force it and was just like, all right. And maybe that showed something to the front office too, that like, we hung around without it i mean and they almost won without it and so um did that change their mindset of maybe these guys are ready right for that next step without him and they're not necessarily worried um about that but this is why money gets paid the big bucks right like it's it's really going to be interesting to see um how they do it, and that's where i'm also excited about kessler right a full summer mm-hmm. of this development staff with Kessler, because to your point earlier, Meg, like he is he has everything that you would want. Right. As a future, you know, possible replacement of whether it's but off the bench, like starting like whatever, but he's 22,
3: three in my mind. Yes. He's like and 22. The only actual. Small yep. forward. We have had. Since, and knows how to play defense. You know, Mo <laughs> Maybe you could say it was like a small forward. But I mean, it's been years since we've had a small forward who you could say was even remotely approaching a three and D prototype model. And he's there. And it's
0: like he's young. And I just. And it's uh, normally you're working the offensive side, right? Not the defensive side. I mean, you're yeah. working the defensive side and not the offense. And for him, it's the opposite. Like you're comfortable with this defense and you know that can improve, but now just focus on the offensive side. And can you get that more consistent?
1: And it feels like both Monty and Mike Brown have types of players. And like Kessler is that type, like he fits it to a T. I, I don't, obviously it wouldn't take a lot of development and everything, but the idea of Kessler Edwards being in the starting lineup next year doesn't shock me. If he can continue to improve, um, and obviously it depends on what other moves they would make, but it's, we. I mean, Casey Apollo started game one last season, so I don't know if anything would surprise me at the start of next season, but I don't know, Kessler is the type of player who the Kings just haven't been able to develop in the past, and we've seen them break those molds of things they haven't been able to do in the past already. So can we throw in uh, the development of kind of a steal at the trade deadline in the following season? (laughs) Who knows?
0: And he's still 22. He's still a baby. Like, he's still so young.
2: But I also think that Keegan is the the other piece of that, right? The other part of that Harrison Barnes replacement. Eventually, you're going to see more and more of him stepping into that you know, sort of jack-of-all-trades role, not just, you know, whereas Kessler maybe never progresses beyond the 3 and D part. Uh, you hope that Keegan is is more of the three-level guy that Harrison was during his prime.
3: I also think that Trey Lyles is a, is, could be a part of this conversation. I mean, I think we're having a conversation about the forward position right now, right? So, I mean, if you consider that our starters this year were pretty much Keegan and Harrison, I mean, with the occasional Casey and Kessler plopped in there, um, I would say that if Trey Lyle stays, I could also see him being a starter. I mean, I think you're going to have to pay him more than he's getting paid now. Um, I know that the, you know, the, the bird right number is something like $11 million or something like that. I don't think they'll give him that much, but um, I could see them bringing him back and not bringing Harrison back. Um, just, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't necessarily that's, think that's going to happen or not going
0: to happen, but uh, you know, he, he played out of his mind this year for us. So that now completes part one of our fan roundtable. Tomorrow, we will be up with part two. And as always, go Kings!